Our first speaker of the 2023 Midwest Catholic Family Conference is a man whose unwavering devotion and commitment to the Catholic faith has reached and inspired thousands. Father Lawrence Carney was ordained for the Diocese of Wichita in 2007, and in the past decade and a half, God has placed him on a very unique journey. He is taken to the streets and cassock and with a crucifix and rosary in hand, inviting souls to experience the transformative, transformative power of our faith. He also along the way has become an author. In 2014, he was appointed chaplain of the Benedictines of Mary, Queen of Apostles. And in 2017, he initiated the League of St. Martin, a pious association promoting reverence, reparation, and reversion. In 2022, in continuation of his holy work, he was appointed missionary priest of Wichita. Also last year, Father published, authored it of a little while before that, but authored and published an inspiring book called The Secret of the Holy Face, The Devotion Destined to Save Society. So if you will, please help us welcome to the stage Father Lawrence Carney. If you want to kneel, go ahead. Let's start the prayer. In the name of the Father, and Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us amen. Our Lady of the Holy Name of God, pray for us. All our patron saints and guardian angels, in the name of the Father, and Son, and Holy Ghost, Amen. There's a secret about the Holy Rosary and St. Louis de Montfort, that great missionary. He wrote a beautiful book on the secret of the Holy Rosary. And I recommend you read it if you haven't yet, or to reread it again. Why is the rosary a secret? Because it's so powerful. It destroyed a heresy called Albigensianism in France, where the people that were Albigensians, they were living a heresy. And they didn't even think that people should get married. It was really bad. And the rosary is helping people to become very devoted to Our Lady. And St. Louis de Montfort also talks about holy slavery. Totus tuus, St. John Paul II used to write on all of his letters, totus tuus, totally yours. So in this age of the church, the last 500 years, there being 500, 500, 500, 500, People that are becoming slaves of Our Lady, it's like something happens to them. Something happened to me when I totally did the consecration to Our Lady. 
It's a means of survival in this dark age that we live in. But I'm here to tell you, when people are devoted to the secret of the rosary and devoted to being slaves of Our Lady and praying the rosary, Our Lady is leading them to another secret, devotion. It's called the devotion to the holy face of Jesus Christ. And the secret of the devotion to the holy face is it's a system that heaven has given to us through private revelation of how to destroy the revolution that's going on in the world right now. It's a beautiful blueprint. And that's what I'm going to talk to you about in the next 40 minutes, because I've already burned up five of them. So we'll start with Leviticus. This is beautiful. Five of you shall pursue a hundred others, and a hundred of you ten thousand. Your enemy shall fall before you by the sword. Leviticus 26, verse 8. What is that? I'm a numbers guy. It says first five will pursue a hundred. And then it says a hundred will pursue ten thousand bad guys. So what is this saying? The holy word of God, the inerrant word from the Holy Spirit is saying, it only takes a few good men to overcome evil men. So the ratio, five to 100, that's one to 20, and 100 to 10,000. So 100 good guys will take down 10,000 bad guys. What is that ratio? It's not 1 to 20, it's 1 to 100. So you see what's happening? As there's more good people that get into the fight, they become exponentially more powerful against the enemy. And so how many people live in the world today? About 7 billion. So what would it take to have some good men being the best Catholics they can be to take down the revolution that's going on around us, like trafficking, the elites, the deep state, the deep church, the deep banks. Well, with seven billion people in the world, the ratio, if it keeps going, would be one to 7,000. So if there's a million good people that wanna fight this fight, getting calluses on their knees, being the best Catholics they can be, we can win this war. And that's why I wrote this book, The Secret of the Holy Face, The Devotion Destined to Save Society. And my goal is that a million people enroll before our Lord takes me from this life. And I'm inspired by The Secret of the Holy Face, excuse me, The Secret of the Holy Rosary, because in that book, St. Louis de Montfort said that Blessed Alan de la Rocha was a great preacher, but he was a sinful man, and Our Lady came and scolded him and said, Preach, my son. And she took a locket of her hair and put it around his neck as a necklace and an invisible ring. And he said, Now preach, my holy psalter. It's a fancy word for the Holy Rosary. And so when he died in 1475, guess how many people he encouraged to enroll in the confraternity of the Holy Rosary. 
100,000. That was in 1475, over 500 years ago. Well, we've got social media. Let's get a million. Let's get a million. So let me draw you into this devotion. Going back to the Old Testament, Leviticus 26, if God tells us if we follow his commandments, he's going to give us a blessing. If we don't follow his commandments, he's going to curse us. And so here's the problem, folks. Even we Catholics, we're forgetting about the first three commandments. If we can't get the first three commandments, how can we get the other seven right, with abortion being one of them, human trafficking, the sound of freedom? It's the first movie I've seen in a movie theater in 10 years. So what are the first three commandments? Sins of idolatry, irreverence, and blasphemy. So I hope, there's two things I want to burn in your mind tonight, but one of them is I hope that you leave here and never, ever curse the name of God again. Because then you can become one of these clients that will take down the evil that's going on. And we don't want the death of the sinner. We want their conversion. It says in Leviticus 26, if we don't obey God's commandments, quote, I will set my face against you, you shall fall down by your enemies. So why is it important that we have reverence in our sanctuaries? Because irreverence brings about great evil, like the golden calf. What happened in that story? God called the tribe of Levi, to slit the throats of those people who were in charge of making the golden calf and have the people worship. And they did that. They killed them. And God rewarded them by giving them the lot of being the Levitical priesthood. So they became the priests. The lot was their station in life. The temple was their place. And then we hear the story of the Ark of the Covenant being carried and an oxen knocked it off, or it was almost off. It was about to fall. It was tottering. And then Oza thought, oh, I need to restore it. And he, he touched it against the commands, and he was struck dead. He was being irreverent against the commands of God. So it's so important that we take serious note of the first three commandments. Because if we start getting those right, we're going to have more blessings in our own family, in our church, and in the world. So it's important to know, why do we exist? What are the ends of sacrifice? They are, there's four of them. Petition. Second, thanksgiving. Third, adoration. And the fourth one is reparation. Reparation, in my opinion, is the last one that people focus on. Because when we're growing up, we, we remember to ask God for things. That's petition, and we thank him when we get him, right? And then adoration, we learn that. But reparation means to repair the damage 
between our human family and God. Reparation is a very beautiful end of sacrifice. And so why the face of God? The face of God is mentioned 840 times in Holy Scripture, and his countenance is mentioned 101 times. St. Therese of Lisieux was a great devotee to the arch confraternity, the Holy Face, and when she started to be devoted to this, she said every other page of the Psalms in the Divine Office, the Holy Face or the Holy Name just jumped out at her. Hold that thought, I'll talk more about her in a minute. They can't hear me. Is this, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Okay. Thank, thank you. So what are the objects of the devotion to the Holy Face? There's a number of them, but there's three that are major. One is the Vell of Veronica. Another one is the Shroud of Turin. And another one is the Vell of Montepello. So the Vell of Veronica is the one that we focus on. And so the other one is the Shroud of Turin, which are the linens that our Lord Jesus Christ was buried in, in the tomb. And then the Vell of Montepello is in Italy. And some think that that's the napkin that was around the face of Jesus when he was buried. So the Vell of Veronica deals with the passion of Jesus because Veronica met him, our Lord, when he was carrying his cross. And the Shroud of Turin represents the death of Jesus. And the, the Vell of Monopello represents the resurrection because his face looks like he's alive. So let's focus on one of those three objects, the Vell of Veronica. There's a story. The emperor Augustus Tiberius had leprosy, and he heard that there was this Jesus who was curing people. And so he sent an envoy to the Holy Land. And the Roman envoy asked Pilate, about Jesus, and Pilate said he was crucified already. Go talk to the Jews. The envoy asked the Jews about Jesus, and the Jews said, oh, those Christians are crazy people. You don't want to talk to them. But the Romans were not going to listen to that. They went deeper. They started asking the Christians about Jesus. And then they, the Christians said, you need to meet Veronica, she has an object that will surprise you. And so they saw Veronica, and she had the veil of Veronica with the image of Jesus on it that was put on there miraculously by our Lord. And the envoy said, the emperor has leprosy and wants to be healed and Veronica said, if he sees this veil, he will be healed. And so they took her to Rome, and she went into the emperor and showed the veil, and he was healed on the spot. 
And this is according to Cardinal Baronius, that great historian who was a protege of St. Philip Neri, who had access to the Vatican archives in the 16th century. Isn't that beautiful? The emperor wanted to put a statue of Jesus next to the other gods in the Loarium, but the Senate wouldn't have it because the Senate was angry at the emperor because Pilate should have been talking to the Senate, not to Augustus Tiberius. They were furious. It's typical politics. But anyways, in divine providence, our Lord was not made into a statue and pit by the gods. It says in Holy Scripture, all the gods of the Gentiles are demons. So it wouldn't have been right for that to happen. So let's go a little bit faster now into the 7th century. In the year 608, Pope Boniface IV, he consecrated a pagan temple into St. Mary of the Martyrs. And he did that on May the 13th. And he brought a number of horse carriages full of relics from the catacombs into the church. So he took the Pantheon, he took away its pagan identity, and he consecrated it and made it a temple of God called Mary of the Martyrs because St. Mary of the Martyrs, there were so many martyrs' bones in there, it was named after them. So imagine having carts and carts walked over with horse and put into that. It was full of relics. May the 13th, keep that in mind for a minute. I'll get back to that in a minute. So on this date of May the 13th, they, brought, they also had, I forgot to tell you, the Vell of Veronica that Veronica had given to the popes. So she gave the Vell to St. Clement I, who was a third successor of St. Peter. So he was the fourth pope. And all the popes have owned it since then, to this day. It's in the Vatican. So on the 13th, when they consecrated that church, they took out the Vell of Veronica to invoke pardon and protection from God. And they also took it out as a remedy against calamities and storms. So imagine having the veil of Veronica with the face of Jesus miraculously put on there and made into procession to bring peace to Rome. Okay, so hold that thought a minute. Now we're going to come into modern times, into the 1840s. In the 1840s, we have a very humble and obscure nun who was a Carmelite in Tours, France. Raise your hand if you've ever heard of her. Sister Mary of St. Pierre. Sister Mary of St. Peter. Okay. There's less than 10% of hands here. That's why this devotion is such a secret. And God has put me here to tell you about it. Because Catholics that get involved in this devotion, it's like emphasizing their total consecration to Our Lady. By the way, if you haven't made a total consecration as a slave to Our Lady, please do that. 
It's an easy, sure way to get to heaven. If you follow it with true devotion all the way to the end with final perseverance. So Sister Mary de Saint-Pierre, she grew up in Rennes, France. She wanted to be a Carmelite. And when she tried to get into an opening near her home, there was no opening. So she consecrated her vocation to St. Martin of Tours and said, St. Martin, I want to be a Carmelite. And there was a chapel of St. Martin in her little city. And they put out the relics of St. Martin and she profusely venerated them, kissing the bones. And so guess what happened? On May the 11th, excuse me, on November the 11th, the feast of St. Martin, she left the world and joined the Carmelites in Tours. And Tours is the city where St. Martin was the bishop. And here Sister Mary de St. Pierre began to receive what is called intellectual visions. Theologians say intellectual visions are about the highest level that anyone can receive. And St. Padre Pio received them and he talks about them too and what they are they explain them in words, you really can't explain them, they say, but it's like something is in the mind, words and visions that you just can't ever forget. They burn in the memory and they're very beautiful. So she was receiving these intellectual visions and our Lord Jesus was giving her locutions. And she, our Lord said, this is the most beautiful work under the sun regarding devotion to the holy face. Okay, so I said I wanted to burn two things in your mind. Well, this is the second one. And then you can fall asleep, but just get this one. This is from our Lord Jesus Christ. Private revolution, revelation approved by the local bishop of Tours. Quote, our Lord communicated to me that this time he would use as the instruments of punishment, not the elements, but the mouths of revolutionary men. And our Lord told her, the two sins that caused my father the greatest pain are blasphemy and profanation of Sundays and holy days of obligation. So pause for a minute. Let me repeat that. Our Lord communicated to me that this time he would not use the instruments of punishment, not the elements, but the mouths of revolutionary men. So the elements, that means God's not going to punish us with floods and earthquakes and tornadoes here in Kansas so much. He'll still do that. But he's going to punish us with something that's even worse. It's called the scourge of revolutionary men. So take that and let that sink in a minute. If the one that is giving us the scourge of revolutionary men, does he have the power to take it away? Yes. That's the point. When people come into this devotion, they have so much peace knowing that because this is a remedy for God to take away the punishment and to fight this war for us. Here's another quote. Satan will use every means in his power to eliminate this work, 
If any of you are thinking that sounds familiar, it's, it, it's true because when St. Louis de Montfort wrote his book on true devotion, he predicted that it would be lost for a while. And it was lost for about 150 years, and they found his book in a treasure case. And now we have total consecration to Our Lady. So this has similar things to it. People that do the total consecration to Our Lady, they go up a certain level in the spiritual life, and people that do total, total consecration to the Holy Face go up a certain level. And I'll talk to you about someone in particular. Her name is Sister Wilhelmina. Some of you may have heard of her. I'll get into detail about her later. Our Lord said to Sister Mary St. Pierre, quote, reparation to his holy face is the highest devotion. Who wants the highest devotion? I hope it's you. Our Lord said the sacred heart and that of his mother should never be separated. So the Immaculate Heart of Mary and the Sacred Heart, they gotta be together. That's why the Miraculous Medal has those two hearts together. O oh, Mary, conceive without sin, pray for us for recourse to thee. By the way, my talk tomorrow, I'll talk about my walking in the streets. I give Miraculous Medals out to people and tell them to wear them, and I will pray the Mass for them once a month for the rest of my life, if they wear them. Jesus said that, she want, that he wants Veronica's who will break through the mob to console his face. So if you become a part of this devotion, you can become like Veronica's who will break through the mob of revolutionary men by your mystical prayers to console the face of Jesus Christ. So that's the female version. What's the male counterpart to that? St. Dismas. St. Dismas was the good thief. He was the one that was hanging on the side of the cross of Jesus Christ. And St. John Christensen said that St. Dismas had more faith in the patriarchs, Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac, because they could see the glory of God, but St. Dismas did not see the glory of God, but still believed his faith was greater than theirs. And so when he said, Lord, will you allow me to become, to come into, your, into paradise, our Lord Jesus said, you will be with me today. So St. Dismas was making reparation when he was hanging from a cross, when all the blasphemies were going out, get off that cross, come down and we will believe. They were spitting in his face. They were cursing him. And St. Dismas made reparation by defending the rights of our Jesus Christ. And so that's how male men can be. So men and women that get involved in this devotion, when they hear blasphemy, sometimes they say, Sit nomen domina benedictum, which is, Blessed be the name of God from the Psalms. They might just say it in their heart. But if they get bold, they will say it out loud. They will make the sign of the cross. And sometimes someone will blast him over and over again. And they keep making the sign of the cross. And finally, they'll ask, why do you keep making the sign of the cross? And then they can say, because you keep blaspheming, my God. And then lots of times they'll stop. 
Our Lord Jesus said to Sister Mary St. Peter, I want you to cross swords with the communists. Oh, that's a particular group of people. It's rare in private revelation when we get the names of enemies proper like that. Cross swords with the communists who were sworn enemies of the church and of Christ. So those are some of the revelations. You'll find more of them in the book, which I'll be signing after this conference until the last person. What about this devotion? There's a chaplet of the holy face. It's a beautiful chaplet. I call it a minor exorcism for lay people because Psalm 67 is in there. Arise, O Lord, and let the enemies be defeated. Let all that hate thee flee from before thy face. Get out of here, Satan. Get out of this world. This chaplet makes reparation to the five senses of Jesus Christ. We have some available for you. If you're devoted to the rosary, this is a great compliment. By the way, this devotion does not add a lot more time to your devotional schedule. One minute a day and 30 minutes a month, once a month. The golden arrow prayer was given to Sister Mary and St. Peter. May the most holy, most sacred, most adorable, most incomprehensible and ineffable name of God be ever praised, blessed, loved, adored, and glorified in heaven, on earth, and in the hells. Get behind me, Satan. Beautiful prayers. This was given to Sister Mary St. Pierre by our Lord Jesus Christ. The sacred heart worshiping the Godhead. It's a mystery. Our Lord said this, Then he gave me wonderful light on the sublimity of this association and the preference with which he esteems it more than all others established in the church because of its object to make reparation for all the outrages offered against the divinity of blasphemy and by the profanation of Sunday. Okay, let's tie some things together. I'm down on the rundown. I got 15 minutes left. What is the connection to the devotion to the Holy Face to Our Lady of Fatima? Remember, I said, hold that thought. May 13th. Why did Our Lady choose, why did Our Lady choose May 13th to begin her six revelations to the children in Fatima? I'm sure there's a lot of reasons, and hopefully we'll persevere to find out in heaven. But one of them, I think, is she wanted to distress a devotion that had been forgotten that was given to Sister Mary St. Pierre in the 1840s in France. And that devotion is a devotion to the holy face of Jesus Christ. Our Lady of Fatima said that very nation, various nations would be annihilated. Scary thought. So I think she's stressing to us, pray the rosary, we know that, and Our Lady Fatima, to the children, do penance, make reparation, pray the rosary. And then the devotion to the Holy Face, pray the chaplet of the Holy Face. Make reparation, say the golden arrow prayer. There's a manual called the Arch Confraternity of the Holy Face that has a comprehensive list of beautiful prayers of the Holy Face. Okay. 
So after the 1840s, we come into a time a decade later in the 1850s. No, actually, still part of the 40s, 1840s. The Freemasons were in Rome, and they had killed the Secretary of the State in cold blood. And Pope Pius IX was fleeing Rome into a city called Gaeta because his life was in jeopardy. And what did he do? He commanded all the churches of Rome, make reparation. So the canons of St. Peter's Basilica in the Vatican took the Vela Veronica that's housed on the second level of one of the pillars that holds up the cupola that's on the epistle side of the papal altar. They took the veil and displayed the veil for three days in a row, which hadn't been done in known history. And a miracle happened. A cardinal told me that the veil right now, you can't see the liniments of the face. It's so dark, the veil of Veronica. And it was such thin in 1849 when the Pope put this veil out, he had a thin piece of silk covering it. And the liniments began to appear on this blank white piece of silk. And there was a light emanating from the veil a death-like hue of a man that was in great suffering. And the canons of the cathedral were kneeling and moving around because they couldn't believe their eyes. Artists came and started engraving it and drawing it, and then they started engraving it and making copies. The notary of the Vatican came and certified it as a miracle. They rang the bells, the Italians came and looked at it, and it was a talk of town in Rome for, for months, and it was put into the Vatican daybook. And so they started making copies, and they touched it to the veil and sent them all over Europe. And three of them came to Tours, to the Carmel of Tours, where Sister Mary St. Pierre was receiving her visions. And there's a very important man, a layman, by the name of Venerable Leo de Pont, who was a great friend of Sister Mary St. Pierre. And he got two of these images, and he gave one to a group of men called the Nocturnal Society, they would do holy hours in their home. They can't hear me. Oh, it's back, okay. Sorry. So, he put one of these in his room. He was a law man. And he had a can he had an olive oil lamp burning day and night and people would come to him because he was a holy man. He was nicknamed the Holy Man of Tours because he would go around tours and pray in the churches that existed and the churches that were demolished by the French Revolution, imagining what the beautiful mass would have been if he were there, if, if it were still intact. So people asked him for cures. And so the oil that was burning in front of this sacred veil, this relic that was touched, the veil of Veronica, the spear of Longitudinus, the spear that pierced the sacred heart, and a big part of the cross, they were healed. The first lady, her eyes hurt really bad, and when she was touched with this, they prayed the litany of the holy face, and she was healed on the spot. And then a, a young man, he was in a wheelchair, and they prayed and touched the oil to him, and he got up and started running around. He was so happy. He was just 
telling his friends. And this happened over and over again. A mere layman, not a priest, not a sister. For all you men that want a role model, pick up Venerable Leodopon. Pick up this devotion. It will make you become holier. And this kept happening. And he sent the oil all over the place. There were 6,000 certified miracles. This got to the ears of Pope Pius IX, and he said, this is a wonder worker in our times. This is the stratosphere of St. Vincent Ferrer, who had almost, he had around 10,000 miracles. They had a bell every time a miracle happened. And one time he was put under obedience, stopped performing miracles, so a guy was falling from a scaffolding, and he walked by and said, wait there, I gotta go and get permission. So he was suspended in the air, he got permission, and he blessed him, and he landed safely. So that was St. Vincent Ferrer. This is Venerable Louis de Pont, and we don't know about him. And that's why this is a secret. Okay. So, the messages of Sister Mary St. Pierre were put into the Vatican archives, and they were sealed for a few decades, and Venerable Leopold kept praying for them to come out. And finally, Archbishop Colette, he brought out the secret of the archives, and he sent them to the Benedictines of Salem, and the Benedictines said, dogmatically, theologically correct, it's good to go. Venerable Leopold died in 1876. Sister Mary St. Pierre died in like 1848, I think. And this is what established the Archconfraternity so what happened is so many people were coming to Venerable Little Pont's drawing room that when he died, the bishop appointed priests of the Holy Face, so they were from the chapter of canons of the Archbishop of St. Martin and some of the other canons there, and they manned this property, and he elevated that room into a public oratory. And this is where the confraternity started in 1884. And the confraternity was made to make reparation. And then they sent this confraternity to Pope Leo XIII in 1885 and asked him if he would consider elevating it from a confraternity to an arch confraternity. And it should have taken five to 10 years, but he said, not only should this be an arch confraternity to France, but to the whole world. So it was like a miracle that happened. And so what? does this arch confraternity do? It fights communism. That's what it does. And it fights the revolution. It helps us to beg God our Father to fight this war for us. And so what is communism? We have Marx and Engels and Hegel, Karl Marx. Reagan, President Reagan said that communism is neither an economic or political system it is a form of insanity. Our Lord told Sister Mary St. Peter that communists are the quintessential traitors. They were raised in the bosom of the Catholic Church. And then I say this, it's always the inside job that gets you. It's always the traitors that get you, right? So to end this talk, Think about it a minute. Heaven knows what they're doing. Heaven knows the narrative for the kingdom of God. 
The Communist Manifesto came out in 1848, right when Sister Mary St. Pierre was getting the bulk of her messages. Communists have a Hegelian dialectic, thesis, antithesis. They create a problem, and then a solution. So the problem's not really that big of a deal to them. What they want is us to succumb to the final solution. Have you heard of that, World War II? That's what they do. And this is like a train without brakes. But this devotion, along with the rosary, of course, the holy sacraments are higher, but this devotion will help us to focus and let God fight this war for us. The Ten Commandments of the Communists, in two of them, they hate priests. I'll give you one and three. Never forget that the clergy is the most powerful enemy to the communist state. This was written in the 1940s. Third, or the third one, convince your friends not to have any contact with the priests. So what good has communism done? These are conservative estimates. Russia, 25 million dead. Other nations, besides China, 10 million dead. And China, 65 million dead. And they want to take over the world. And they pretty much own our country. If it scares you, don't be scared. We've got the remedy. It's the arch confraternity of the Holy Face. And St. Therese of Lisieux, although her devotion was very great to the little child Jesus, this is a secret. Her blood sister, who was the mother superior for three years, testified in front of the causes of canonization, causes of canonization saying this, quote, however tender was her devotion to the child Jesus, it could not be compared to the devotion which she had for the holy face. So how do we practice this? There's six conditions. Enroll in the arch confraternity of the holy face. Receive the papers of enrollment. Promote it by word, like I'm doing here, or print. Receive an effigy of the holy face, like a scapula of the holy face, they, they give those out. Go to the monthly meetings, that's the hardest part. And defend the name of God. So questions. Father Carney, what order are you? I'm a Dawson priest. I wear this tropical cassock because I walk the streets and I can walk more. How did you find this devotion? I found this devotion from a very humble nun. I won't say her name because she's a walking saint. And she could only talk to me like once or twice a year. How do I learn more? This is a summary of the devotion, the whole secret of the holy face, a devotion, death, and safe society, which I wrote, and I'll have them for sale for a donation, and I'll sign your books for you. Lastly, I'll end on this. Remember when I said, hold that thought about Sister Wilhelmina? She's a Benedictine. She's a Benedictine of Mary, Queen of the Apostles. She's that nun that they found incorrupt. And 30,000 people came to visit her before she was put into the glass altar 
on Memorial Day weekend. We have a prodigy in the United States. There's only three incorrupt nuns or people that I know of, St. John, Neumann, and St. Rose Philippine de Schentz, and then this sister. It's not official yet, but guess what? She founded the Benedictines of Mary, Queen of the Apostles. I was her chaplain and confessor for her last six years, and she enrolled in the Confraternity of the Holy Face on February the 5th, 1977. And one of the promises for those devoted to the devotion to the Holy Face is there will be many miracles. And this is a miracle that is now in process. My time is up. If you want a blessing, you can remain sitting, you can stand, or you can kneel, and I'll give that to you. And thanks for listening. Sit nomen Domina Benedictum, et hoc snoc in saecula saecula. Domine exari orationem meam, et clamor meos a te veniat. Dominus vobiscum, et cum spiritu tuo. Benedictio de omnipotentis patris, et fili, et spiritus santo, descendet super, vos et maniat semper. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen.